Okay, welcome to Coffee with Marcus and Mark. In this show, we talk about what's happening in the markets and how we're trading them. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd. We're playing the waiting game. It's Fed Day. The Fed wrapping up its two-day policy meeting. Stocks are nervous ahead of today's Fed comments. We'll take a look at the charts. What is the fear index telling us? We'll look at the VIX. And oh no, private sector adds more jobs than expected. AMD earnings send chip makers higher. And are we just doing nothing but gambling? I'll share my thoughts and much more. Plus, I'll review a trade that I took on LVS. So as you can see, there's a lot to talk about. And let's go ahead and get started. If this is your first time here, my name is Mark Hodge. I'm head coach at Rockwell Trading. And today I'm flying solo with Marcus traveling after speaking at the Money Show in Orlando. But even though I'm alone, I promise you that you're in good hands. You could say that Marcus and I have a ton of trading experience and we know our stuff. We're also not afraid to tell it like it is. So if you're looking for some honest insights into the world of trading, you are in the right place. Before we dive in and show you our trades and how we're tackling these crazy markets, though, let's take a look at what's moving the markets. And let me go ahead and jump right to the charts here. Here we have the S&P 500. Uh, the S&P here, you see yesterday, we actually had a sharp reversal after opening higher and rallying early on in the session. Uh, so things were looking great early on, but uh, wrapping up the day with a loss, the S&P finished lower by 0.4%. Uh, that made it back-to-back uh, -back losses for the S&P. Uh, the same could be said for the Dow, gap open and a rally pulling back, finishing the day with a 0.2% loss. The NASDAQ having a bigger drop here, uh, bigger gap higher, and then a reversal, uh, finishing the day down 0.9%. And you could see that the dip has continued here. Uh, the indices opening a little bit lower and drifting uh, lower throughout the session. The S&P currently down 0.4%, the Dow down 0.3%, and the NASDAQ down 0.6%. So why the nervousness? nervousness? Why the indecision? Well, if you don't know by now, you probably haven't been watching these videos and you should be watching them to get a good idea of what's going on in the markets, get the scoop and uh, to hear what we have to say about things. Also a good time for a like. Uh, so let's take a look at the economic calendar here. I'm going to PowerX Optimizer and we see that there was a report this morning, but the biggie, we've mentioned it. Uh, we mentioned it last week. We've mentioned it all week this week. It's the Fed. The Fed at 2 p.m. Eastern time will get the FOMC statement and also their decision on the Fed funds rate. We also have the FOMC press conference. And if you're new to Fed Day, this is where the Fed is wrapping up a two-day policy meeting uh, that takes place multiple times throughout the year. Their statement uh, is the first piece of news that gets digested. And you usually get a reaction to that and their their rate decision. Now, sometimes what they're going to do with interest rates is really a toss-up and a little bit of a uncertainty going into uh, the Fed statement. Uh, in recent years, the Fed has done a better job of keeping investors, even though they might not say exactly what will happen. Uh, there haven't been many surprises there. Uh, and let's go ahead and look at the CME FedWatch tool just to see what traders are expecting. I mentioned that there really haven't been too many surprises with the rate decisions. 
And we see here that right now, traders really aren't expecting a surprise. So a uh, 75 basis point hike, uh, putting it in the 375 to 400 range after this hike would uh, right now show a 86.2% probability versus a 50 basis point hike at 13.8. So the market's pretty much uh, priced in this decision, this 75 basis point hike. A higher hike would be a huge shock to the markets. A lower hike would be welcome, but it really doesn't seem like that's uh, a possibility at this point as we get ready uh, for the Fed statement. But let's look at the probabilities here because we've mentioned it this week and it's something to keep an eye on. This is what the probabilities show for future hikes. And investors want to know, will the Fed be slowing down and then uh, dropping rates? And when does this happen? Right now, we see that here's that um, uh, hike for today, 86.2% probability. Another hike right now, there's some indecision on what the Fed will do. Will, will it be 50? Will it be 75? Will it be a quarter? Uh, but then here, uh, we see that another hike is expected uh, in February of 2023. Uh, then a small hike in March of 2023, things stabilize. And then investors are expecting that the Fed will slow down in September. Uh, so this is something to watch. Uh, will we peak here at the 500 to 525 basis point range? Will this change? Will this shift lower after the Fed press conference and uh, that statement? This is what traders want to know. Uh, what the Fed is, you know, how aggressive they want to be. Are they going to be hawkish or are they going to be more conservative and dovish? Uh, and will they slow down sooner? Which uh, the markets want, but the Fed needs to keep inflation in mind. That's what they're doing these rate hikes for, to try and curb inflation, to try and control prices, uh, which the the uh, impact of these rate hikes means that it can slow the economy. We can be going into a recession and it can hurt the jobs market. But it is interesting because there was a report this morning. We had ADP non-farm employment numbers. Now, in all fairness, uh, the first week of the month is always a big week for jobs. And there is the uh, private payroll uh, number on Wednesday. And then Friday, the first Friday of the month, is the real biggie. So this is the jobs report that includes average hourly earnings, non-farm employment numbers, and the unemployment rate. This is what investors really watch. And at times, this doesn't really have much correlation to Friday. It's it's a bit of a surprise. Um, and it could be that they're, they're both doing the same. It could be that they're exact opposite. Um, but the Friday one is uh, really what to watch. However, with that said, look at this. We had 239,000 uh, jobs added. Uh, this was much higher than the 178 forecast. And the previous was just 192 uh, so this is a bit of a surprise. Uh, so the Fed taking everything into consideration, but a strong jobs market, adding more jobs, that's not really helping uh, the, the overall economic picture uh, because the Fed wants uh, to weaken the job market a little bit uh, to try and get inflation and spending uh, under control. Well, we'll see what the Fed has to say about that and uh, just uh, the overall economy, their rate hike 
uh, you know, future rate hike decisions and, and what they have planned uh, this afternoon. So a few big watch here. Now, I, I mentioned uh, the VIX here, and I want to take a look at the VIX because the VIX, it's interesting. We're up 2.2% on the VIX. So uh, this is the fear index. Uh, this is the volatility uh, index for the S&P 500. It essentially tracks S&P 500 options premium going out 30 days. And when traders are more fearful and when traders expect more volatility, uh, bigger price swings, you're going to see the VIX at elevated levels. When traders expect low volatility, less fear, less uncertainty in smaller price changes, you'll typically be at lower levels. So we've kind of found this new normal. Historically, uh, even uh, 20 and above would be high, but we kind of have this new normal this year where 20 seems to be about the low end. 35 seems to be about the high end, even though the VIX is up. It's a little bit interesting that we've been pulling back here uh, since uh, mid-October, and we're back in this mid-range. So there has been uh, an increase in the VIX today, which would be common and typical for a down day, um, because usually when the VIX is down or the uh, markets are down, the VIX is up and vice versa. It's interesting to see that we're kind of mid-range here. So uh, it, it seems like traders have kind of priced in the expectation or they don't believe that there's going to be some dramatic movement uh, because of the Fed. We'll have to see. This uh, isn't a guarantee, uh, but there's an old saying, you uh, buy when the VIX is high and when the VIX is low, it's time to go. Meaning that if you own stocks and the VIX is low, you want to sell them because it could be that we're at a turning point because uh, investors are complacent and at some point the markets are going to uh, move the other way. And when you have these extremes and there's fear and volatility and the markets are down, that would be a good buying opportunity because this tends to be uh, a mean reverting type uh, index, meaning that you have these extremes and it likes to fall back into a normal range. And right now we're kind of in that based on what we've seen for 2022. So anyway, uh, VIX is higher, uh, but at least right now I'd say that based on the VIX, not a huge, huge reaction expected, which is a little bit surprising because this is a huge report. Uh, so let's, uh, let's look at some earnings here. I want to go to AMD. I own shares of AMD and, uh, a nice reaction, but a little disappointing that this is pulling back. Uh, we had a huge move earlier. Uh, AMD traded almost at $64 a share. Now it's just above 61, 2.5% gain. I can't complain about that, uh, but a much different reaction at the open, a, a huge jump. Uh, things were looking good. The uh, company did report uh, weaker than expected earnings, so they missed on uh, the earnings per share slightly below the estimate. And they also missed on revenue slightly below the estimate. Um, the results for their four business segments were actually a little bit better than that October warning. Uh, I mentioned yesterday uh, that we had this warning here and it, it seemed like uh, AMD, well, I mean, they were trying to prepare investors uh, ahead of time saying, hey, things aren't gonna be that good. Um, and then the question was, will it be better? Will it be worse? Will traders say, you know what, this is what we expected anyway? And then will the stock rally? That's kind of what happened here with this reaction. But uh, 
we pulled back a little bit, even though we're up still about approximately 3% here. Another company that reported earnings is CVS. So CVS also nice reaction, but opening higher and continuing to rally uh, up just about 4%. They reported better than expected earnings and also better than expected revenue. Uh, they also uh, raised its uh, full year guidance. So uh, that's looking good. Now, there was this uh, opioid settlement, this $5 billion settlement, and uh, the outlook does not include that. That's new news, but traders seem to be shaking that off and, and uh, really liking what CBS had to say about uh, their expectations and earnings. And you see here that uh, after finding some support, nice rally, getting back close to the 100 mark. Uh, we'll see if 100 round number resistance uh, is uh, taking uh, in effect here or not. But nonetheless, nice, nice move there. Now, uh, let's let's do this. I want to talk about LVS. LVS. So with LVS, let's look at LVS here. Both Marcus and I are in LVS. I said yesterday that I decided to do something and Marcus, uh, he was holding off and I said that we'd discuss it today. LVS has had a really nice range and just kind of traded in a, a very systematic, perfect way, something that we'd like to see for the wheel. The challenge is that we got assigned back here last year when we had this night, actually, yeah, back here, we had these nice ranges and then there was this big sell-off and now we're in these new ranges. So I'm liking these new ranges, but my cost basis is about 47. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up exactly where I am at. I meant to note it. I'm looking at one of my, my wall of monitors. Uh, let's see here. Um, ah, shoot. Anyway, I, I don't see it. My apologies. I meant to have that. Um, but my cost basis is about $47 a share. My break even is about 41, right? J ballpark numbers. Now, what I've been doing, because we've been trading in these ranges, I have been selling the 42 strike when I can get my 30% annualized premium on that 42 because we tend to have these spikes. And I do believe that at some point we're going to break to the upside. And if we do, I might have to roll. I might have to manage the trade, but I'm okay because here's the thing. Uh, when we're trading the wheel, we want to know what our cost basis is. This is what the average purchase price is per share. Uh, and then we also want to know what our break even is. This is the difference between that purchase price or cost basis and all of the premium that we've collected divided by the number of shares that we own. If we're able to sell at our cost basis, that means we get to keep all of the premium that we've collected uh, leading up to that exit. If we sell above our cost basis, this is perfect. This is what ideally we'd like to do. We make money on the stock and we make money on the options. Now, if we sell below our break even, close the trade below our break even, we're taking a loss on the trade. If we're in between, between our break even and cost basis, we might be giving up some of the premium that we've collected, but the trade is still profitable. And at this point, 
uh, LVS has been working out to be a, a pretty decent stock in these ranges, but I haven't been able to capitalize on it because of where my cost basis is and where my break even is. So I'm ready to be a little more aggressive to really put myself in a situation where I can continue to bring down that break even aggressively, but ultimately get on the trade so I can use that buying power more effectively with a new trade or maybe if this drops again, establishing a new position now that I'm out and I've made money on the trade um, at a new level that makes it easier to be profitable. So that's my goal. That's what I'm uh, doing here by being a little aggressive and doing something that I don't normally do and selling calls between my break even and my cost basis. Now, these last couple of weeks when we had these spikes, I think I sold calls three times, collected almost a buck, which means I brought my break even down about a buck with those trades. I decided yesterday to sell the 42 call. So to long story uh, short, I sold the 42 call. I was able to collect 32 cents for this Friday, uh, this Friday's expiration, which was 69% annualized ROI on that premium based on the days to expiration. This is working out nicely. This morning, I was close to being able to buy that back and closing it based on my plan, uh, but then it rallied a little bit. So I still have those calls. Marcus he was hoping to get a little bit more, and then he was speaking at the money show, so he was tied up. So he did not put this trade on. He decided to hold off. I was able to take advantage of that premium. I'm still in it and uh, hoping uh, that this does move higher so I can roll my calls to next week or let this 42 expire and then sell next week's calls as well. So that's what I'm doing with LVS. So far, working out to be a great trade, uh, and I'm liking these ranges and also that we're at this upper range. I'm just hoping that we continue to punch higher, uh, eventually getting up to here and beyond so I could close the trade for a nice profit. Now, I want to wrap this up with one last topic. And this was a question that, or more of a statement, kind of a question that was posted on Monday's video. Uh, and the question is really, are we just gamblers through and through, right? Are we just gambling? And and um, the, the statement was, we are just gambling in the market. And I, I said with authority in a polite way, no, absolutely not. Um, and the person who posted the statement slash question, I don't want that individual to not post questions because I wasn't trying to, to uh, take away from uh, people who are posting questions and comments. I, I think it's great. I love it when people are posting questions and comments, except for the Bitcoin crap and those spammers. I hope you know that uh, that's all just a scam. So quit, uh, thumbs down, report them uh, when they're talking about Lulu uh, James, the, the crypto expert. But anyway, uh, off topic. So are we just gambling? And I think that the first thing to tackle is what is gambling, right? And when you're gambling, when you're making a bet and you're, you're, you're truly gambling, there is a winner and there is a loser and there's nothing in between. So it's really kind of a binary event, like, right? If you're uh, looking at zeros and ones in computer programming, it, it's either a loss, it's a win, there's nothing in between. So this is what happens when you're gambling. Marcus and I, we have a bet. We are gambling. He believes that the S&P 500 is going to be above 4,200 at the end of the year. I hope that that is true. I hope that he is correct. But that is a gamble because we made a bet and either he is right 
and I have to send him a box of steaks or I am right. And he has to send me a box of steaks. steaks. So that is gambling. One winner, one loser. Uh, in game theory, you can call it a zero-sum game. All right? One, uh, and this is the, the same with, with casinos, right? When you are betting in a casino, there is one winner, one loser. The casino has the edge and will win over time. Now, in a market, when you're buying shares of a stock, this could be a uh, positive sum game where there are winners at every stage. So I don't believe that uh, investing in the market is is gambling in its its simplest form, right? Uh, if you bought shares of Apple at $5 way back when, and you sold them at $10 and you had a double, well, you sold those shares and you had a win. The person that bought those shares from you at $10 uh, that rode it up to $25 and sold those shares, they had a win. The person that bought them at 25 and rode them to 100, they had a win. See how that's completely different from a gambling scenario and zero-sum game where there's a winner, loser, nothing in between. Now, this is where some investors or game theory uh, scholars might say that options are zero-sum as well. And in its simplest form, I would agree. If I were to buy a call and someone sold that call to me without anything considered, there's a winner, there's a loser, that's it. However, in the context of a strategy, I believe that that's incorrect. We don't have all of the information. And this is what we do with the wheel. If I am owning shares of a stock and I sell a call, that person that bought the call from me, if that call expires worthless, they lose, I win. But if I'm selling calls above my break even or above my cost basis, that person who bought that call from me is a winner and I am too, right? And, and this is where I really think that traders who think that uh, you're just gambling in the market really needs to identify their edge, get a better feel for exactly what they're doing because making solid decisions based on a trading plan where you have an edge, where you're using probabilities, your experience and tools. I mean, this is the whole basis for PowerX Optimizer, why we use it, why we've programmed it, why we've set it up is to identify opportunities when there appears to be none, right? So anyway, I, I do not believe that if you are a seasoned trader, a professional, uh, whether you've been trading for 20 years or one, and you have a plan, you're using tools, you're making educated decisions in the market, and you're not just trading binary events where it's a simple yes, no, win, loss, but you're trading a strategy, you're not gambling in the market. I'll leave it at that. I know we went a little longer, but an important topic. I uh, hope you liked this video. If you did, like it. And if you are not a subscriber, subscribe. We have some good stuff here and I hope you join us next time. Until tomorrow, happy trading, everybody.